0: announcement the hemp revolution will not be televised i repeat the hemp revolution will not be televised welcome to the hemp revolution podcast coming to you from Denver Colorado for another rock your socks episode of the hemp revolution podcast where we are sharing and telling the real story of the cannabis and hemp industry from the perspective of the business owners pioneers and patients who are pushing this incredible space forward as always if you're a person looking for products you can depend on check us out at medicalsecrets.com and if you are a business owner looking for manufacturing merchant processing stabilized supply chain or just need some good old-fashioned advice on how to break through the glass ceilings and brick walls of this industry, check us out at TheEmeraldCircle.com. We are happy to help. In today's episode, we are going to be sharing another incredible story from an entrepreneur who, prior to starting High Yields Insight, spent nearly 20 years developing market insights for some of the world's leading consumer brands, including Procter & Gamble, PepsiCo, and General Mills and retailers such as Walmart and Kroger. In 2018, Mike co-founded High Yields Insights to bring a better fact-based approach to understanding current and potential cannabis consumers. High Yield aims to inform the perspective of these, both within and outside the industry, seeking to be better informed about the cannabis consumer, ensuring that all of us love and need this incredible plant medicine can be accessed by the right brands and businesses. Here to share and tell his incredible story and how he is paving the way in the industry. Help me welcome our good friend, Mike Luce. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. An honor to have you on. Happy to have seen you also at MJ BizCon. Why don't you quick share a little bit with our audience a quick and dirty on who you are what your background is and how you ended up in the can of boom.
1: The can of boom. Yes, certainly. Happy to. So I am a longtime, let's call it market research professional that I somewhat got into by accident, uh, putting myself through school with a market research firm in the late 90s, early 2000s. And come to find out, no one was handing out high-paying jobs to liberal arts majors. So I stuck with the firm that I was with and have proceeded from there and have really had the pleasure of working with some great people in the industry. I've been able to witness how, let's just say broadly speaking, what used to be sort of ho-hum market research has emerged into analytics and really deep dives on consumer understanding. And that led me to my most recent engagement prior to starting High oat Insights. And when that came to a close, I was poised at a point in my life for a new challenge, right? I think for a lot of us, it just happens. It comes together at the right time. You're looking to see you know, where are some really dynamic, interesting things happening from a business perspective that also speak to you personally. And that really came about for me toward the tail end of 2017, really first part of 2018. And I realized there's a great need in our industry, right? From a business perspective, in dispelling some of the myths and really getting some better information than just some of the anecdotal or gut feel that a lot of people were going on from a product development perspective, from a marketing perspective, And everyone's better served when there's solid information, right? Companies can make better decisions. Consumers stand to benefit because they see that companies are talking to them about what they care about. And what we try to do is just bring that point of view to the conversation about the industry within the industry. And it's been a tremendous ride. We're only, you know, whatever it is now, two and a half years. And I feel like every day we're learning more and more and engaging more and more with with this industry. You know, you and I had the pleasure of watching MJ BizCon unfold in Vegas last week, and that was tremendous. And I'm just looking forward to launching into 2020 with even more momentum.
0: Yeah, you know, it was a pretty interesting contrast to because I went from MJ BizCon directly into into the Emerald Cup, and there was a pretty significant contrast between the Pacific Northwest sort of, you know, hanging on by a thread cannabis culture. Mm. and the innovations and excitement and like the scientific explosion that's happening with cannabis and how it was represented at MJ BizCon on one hand I'm super nostalgic and I'm like oh my Pacific Northwest you know like (laughs) I love the old the old world cannabis culture and community and at the same time like I'm not 17 anymore and so while I was walking around even from a media perspective I was Extremely excited to see at Emerald Cup the representation of innovative farming and sustainable farming practices, and you know mm-hmm. how all of that is progressing to bring us a higher quality cannabis product that can in turn be turned into higher quality derivatives and end user products. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I was disappointed to see that there is still very much that counterculture that could or may contribute to this continuous negative stigma. For you, what was your biggest takeaway as a business owner at the MJ BizCon event? Every year it's been bigger and bigger and all businesses go there for a specific reason. So I'd love to hear from you, like, why did you go to MJ BizCon? What were some of the key things that you were looking to accomplish there? And what was your biggest takeaway from attending the event?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I look at it from a couple of different perspectives. First and foremost, you really can't get a better sense of what's happening, at least all in one place, all at one time, unless you walk the floor at an event like that, right? It's immersive, it's overwhelming, you've got the proverbial fire hose happening. But to really get a sense of the industry, I, I think you have to see all segments, at least to some degree, right? You have to see what's happening in equipment manufacturers and lighting and operations and these other areas that, that we don't touch, right? So we're not a, quote, plant-touching business. We're, at, we're lumped into that vague category of ancillary service providers, you know, whatever that means. So I don't know that we belong alongside lawyers and finance people, but, you know, that's where, that's where we are from a broad perspective. And for me, it's also really intriguing to watch tech start to emerge and play a a better role. It's been there now for some time, as, as we all know, and there's then this sort of, you know, two paths that tech providers seem to be taking. One, entrepreneurs that are building from the ground up, and then two, these bigger players, Microsoft there, SAP vendors there, that are looking at cannabis and determining if there's a way in which they can extend their model to cover our business too. So I think that's part of it is really just immersing yourself in it. The other is just a great way to get together with people, meet people, form those connections, whether they're deliberate or accidental. Um, I had a great conversation with two people on the plane home. I mean, talk about like I'm exhausted. The last thing that I usually want to do is have a three-hour conversation in the middle seat between two people that but it was awesome. One was in the industry. He was a lawyer, really wanted to know more about it. Another was in the industry. He was a cultivator and just had a great conversation. That type of environment in a space like MJ BizCon and most of the other places where we go right over the course of the year, generally, I'd say a very positive, very open nature to the interactions that you have. Um, I will say I sympathize with you, right? There does seem to be a little bit of this Uh, I don't know, like rip current that happens where, understandably so, I think some of those people that have really pioneered the industry in different places at different times, look at what's happening now and they hear terms like, quote, green rush, right? And there's a little bit of, as you said, nostalgia, I don't know, maybe reluctance or second guessing as to whether or not everyone that's getting in is really you know, taking the best interests in mind. And that's something that that speaks to me powerfully, too, because I really looked at this opportunity as more than just taking what I know and applying it, but thinking, too, about you know, what's my social contribution, right? And that's, that's really encouraging and empowering, too, to hear from speakers in all different perspectives talk about their personal experience and their message. I think that's an intangible, too, right? You can't really get that unless you're there in person, so those are my, I mean, maybe broadly speaking, those are some of the big takeaways I had.
0: I had really similar takeaways. I was like, you know, there's always going to be the old heads who are like, yeah, right, Green Rush, blah, blah. I've been here 100 <laughs> years, you know, so bah humbug on them. But as far as like the future industry and what we're looking at right now, I was really excited to see so much diversity represented and certainly more honored to like be able to tell your guys those stories this is I think something that the industry has a stigma like that we are this incredibly cash rich industry and although there might be piles Mm -hmm. of money around every dime is allocated towards the change that we are working to create on a daily basis and it's not always easy especially for folks who are directly working with the plant you know it like seems really sexy and glamorous but like literally it's one of the hardest things you could ever take on uh it's like it's so it's so crazy now what i'm also recognizing is that our industry is becoming more and more noisy there's dozens mm. of brands popping up every single day there are more and more business owners who are working to tailor their existing businesses to fit the cannabis and cbd space And one of the biggest challenges that I'm recognizing, whether they know it or not, is having a brand is not enough. Really understanding the person that you want to serve and the problem that you want to solve with the product that you want to create or sell is the number one most important thing. And the riches are in the niches. We've said it multiple times in our Words of Wisdom segments of other interviews that the riches Mm -hmm. are in the niches, but I don't think that a lot of business owners take the time to focus on the keys that make a demographic what it actually is. What makes a baby boomer a baby boomer besides his age? What makes a millennial a millennial besides the age group? And there are key things that really define us as a type of consumer and can help pigeonhole the way that a brand approaches message to market match or, or marketing and advertising of any type. Talk to me a little bit about how High Yield Insights is helping brands make more educated and functional decisions when it comes to building and creating products all the way through to you know the logistics of marketing and advertising.
1: Yeah, great question. And thank you for teeing that up for me. I, could, I couldn't be happier than to speak to that sorts of thing. Uh, and also, I love the riches are in the niches. I'm going to steal that. Uh, I, I hadn't heard you say that before. Shame on me, but I'm, I'm going to outright steal that. Maybe I'll put a little TM after it and credit you whenever I say it. But
0: um, <laughs> I'll take 10%. No, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. So...
0: Yeah, I mean, I, right. I mean, I'll
1: speak to a couple of things in no particular order, but I'll say, from an entrance perspective, we were a little bit early in the sense that there were not that many firms in our space conducting real research and working with consumer data in any fashion. There were a few, and I don't want to steal their thunder. I won't, I won't name names. They're well-known names and they're great peers of ours, and I'm I'm happy to be rubbing shoulders with them. What I've seen as well, though, is I think a disconnect. And, and this doesn't serve to your question around brands looking to develop what I'd call you know, one step further. What you just described is product market fit. I go one step further and think of product market consumer fit. Uh, when that happens, you really have to think carefully about the type of resources you're using. So I am data centered, and I'm biased in that way. However, it's not the only way in which we go about consumer understanding. We also do consumer interviews, we do intercepts, you know, a variety of things, right? But one of the ways in which people see announcements or papers from us, et cetera, is oftentimes because of the survey work that we've done. And we've tried really, really hard to develop approaches and methodologies that aren't just picked up from one segment like food and beverage and dropped into cannabis because I don't think you can do that. And we crashed around, frankly, a little bit in 2018, just trying to figure out how to best go about it. I don't think we've cracked it yet by any means, but I think it's pretty good. A lot of that IP is now between our ears. So when I see others that are new to the space or for, you know, they're maybe taking a different approach, classify cannabis consumers as anyone who's consumed within the past 12 months and try to draw conclusions and recommendations from that type of information, I really think that contributes to the noise. Because brands, all of us, see press releases and, and articles and data cited. And if you don't think carefully about where that's coming from and the type of methodology that was used to generate it, I think you can really be led down the wrong direction. I mean, I won't pick on any particular publishers, but. That one example of anyone responding to a survey saying, yeah, you know, I just put an edible when I was in Las Vegas six months ago. (laughs) Is that someone that we can draw real reliable information about to help guide our businesses? Maybe in part because, and, and in fact we do, look at people who are just sporadic or former or potential consumers, right? But if you really think about the patients or those that enjoy product in any fashion, I think mm-hmm. it's important to think carefully about you know, what distinguishes not only demographics, but also issues like frequency, what the need state is, right? Like what's bringing you to this plant, as you said, that we all love and cherish. And if that's not done, I do think you have a, a, a risk of really working in some cloudy waters. And uh, I've even been tempted to sort of call up some of our, frankly, people with whom we, uh, th- my favorite new term is coopetition. <laughs> So, and say, you know, look, we should all align on some standards here so that everyone that sees data from any of us in any fashion knows that it's really well-grounded. And I, I think that's already happened, but maybe not as deliberately as it could be. And it's a critical issue, frankly. I mean, it's a little bit of a sore spot for me, as you can tell, just because I'm so passionate about the type of work that we do. But I think that noise issue is, I think it's important. And I, and I honestly, I think it's a little bit overlooked and maybe it's like a pain point that people are feeling unconsciously. It's really interesting to me that you voiced it. I even go so far as to relate a story. I was speaking to a client and they said, you know, Mike, this is useful data. I'm looking at this information. It's telling me 14% of consumers prefer this. But I saw something the other day that kind of said the same thing and it was only nine percent. And their words were, I wish you guys could figure this out because there's just a lot of noise. And I talk at length, and frankly, some of my best conversations over the past two years have just been educational, right, around if you're really seeking to understand the consumer, as you said, let's dig deep under just the demographics and product preferences and really think about psychographics, right? What are the occasions, the need states? What's driving people? What do they think about? What do they worry about? But that's, you know, that's hard data to get. Easier said than done. And if you're minding every penny, and we are just... You know, and and yeah, there's piles of cash sitting around. We're not sitting on one, unfortunately. Uh, It can be tough. You know, you can only do so many things at once. So I'm sympathetic, but at the same time critical as to, you know, what's happening out there from a noise perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation ends up being, you know, separate from any of the logistics and sales and like, you got to have this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you just look at business for what it is, It is the ability to use the most amount of leverage to bring the most amount of value into a specific marketplace. And that's the only job of the business. Now, the consumer responds or reacts to that offer by financial or energetic compensation, right? They're either engaging Mm -hmm. with your content or offer or they're not. And if they're engaging... They're either going to buy or they're not. And so there's key points where you have to look at the data, you know, theory and feeling and this whole ethereal approach approach to business is fine, you know, and I measure success in two ways, impact and income. Your impact is measured by how much leverage you can use to get the most amount of value into the marketplace. You need time and team to be able to do that. At the same time, your income will be a direct reflection of what your impact is in the marketplace. Now, if you're a 501c3, you're going to be making an incredible impact and maybe not a ton of money around that, but you're going to show Mm -hmm. a huge amount of, you know, a huge influxes of uh, revenue coming in through donations. And you're going to see a ton of positive feedback. If you have a for-profit business, You're going to show an incredible community being built and great numbers in your back office. If there's a deficiency Mm. in either one of those spaces, you have to refer back to the data to find out where the cracks in the foundation are so that you can repair it and then continue to build those layers. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, who have approached this industry and the idea of cannabis companies or hemp companies like it's fucking weed. It sells itself. (laughs) Everybody wants this, you know? (laughs) Everybody wants this.
1: That can't possibly be your business plan. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's not the business plan. Write that on a piece of paper and hand
1: it out. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: that's not even like a plan B business plan. Like you really have to, I say, spend 80% of your time on the planning, 20% on the execution. But the plan has to include A through Z because in this industry, compliance changes you know, one day to the next, and you have to switch everything up. And the only way to do that effectively is understanding the data points that are behind it. Now, what kind of data do you need? Well, it starts off by understanding who you want to serve and what problem you want to solve with what products or services. From there, you can really niche down and understand, like, where are you going to be pulling data from? How are you going to leverage this data inside of your company? And it's not a one-time or one-size-fits-all. It really has to be a part of your plan to understand, again, who you're serving and what problem you're solving. Because if you're guessing, it's like a man trying to guess what a woman is thinking. Just fucking forget it. Just forget (laughs) it. There's no way. (laughs)
1: No, that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> no, that's yeah, a no, recipe totally for
0: right. disaster. What you have to do is ask more questions, and I think that right. in a lot of in a lot of instances, we're opera in life in general. But I'll just use you know intimate relationships as an example, because what more of an intimate relationship could you possibly have from somebody who is coming to you with? A seizing child or cancer recovery, and you have to like divulge Mm -hmm. your insane symptoms that are associated with this syndrome of pain that's, you know, completely altering your life. You have to level up with somebody real quick when you're looking for advice and direction on a product. So it's the same thing with a relationship. If you're looking to get married and you want to have kids and, you know, this happy go lucky freaking life like you have to ask more questions and collect more data and find out whether or not your values you know do the metrics line up that's what you're looking for are, are the planets lining in our favor here that's right <laughs> you know, are we going to be right. able to carry this one to the finish line or or is this just a a stepping stone to get to the real deal you know so that's right it's the same thing and so i'm i'm a huge fan of insights. I'm a huge fan of getting data. Everything that I do is based off of the data and feedback of our community and following. And I'm so grateful to them for being so open and receptive. I'd love to hear from your perspective, what has been, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who have specific skill sets and backgrounds that they would like to apply to this new industry. Sure. And yeah. I would love to hear from your perspective, what have spent some of the challenges and starting and building and scaling a business that perhaps may not be directly related to the plant, but is providing a necessary service for the industry. What have been some of the key challenges for you in getting this ship off the ground to the point where you would find yourself someplace like MJ BizCon, where the best of the best are coming together to showcase their businesses?
1: Yeah, well, I think part of it, is we had to look at this venture and say, we know that we have to, just like you said, provide value. We can't expect people are going to be beating down our doors from day one, no matter how much value we put as business people in data, they're always competing priorities. And in fact, there's a commission statement on our website on highyieldinsights.com that says, data without action is just overhead, right? I'm not here to say, you have to have data to do everything. I do think you have to have data to do things well, right? But there is art and science. But that realization, I think, for us was one that was really critical. And it shaped how we thought about our first six, 12, 18 months, and how we continue to think about it today, that if we are producing, and, and you could think about this is true for anyone. If you're not Producing something, offering a service that is contributing in some fashion, right? Set aside the financial compensation. If you aren't adding something that's of genuine value, interest, usefulness to those that are in the industry or are thinking about it, you've got a rough road ahead of you. We know that there are a couple of things that that does for us. And of course, Gets our name out there, gets people interested, strikes up conversations, all of those things you think about. And, you know, you think about tactics like content marketing, et cetera, as to what you might want to do if you're an industry, um, a company like ours in regards to getting the message out about the data you've collected or the the new findings that you have. But I think that's true for everyone. If you have a new equipment solution, you really have to show there's upside to your piece of equipment in a variety of ways. I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of people, whether they're gonna be touching the plant or not, you know, they hear the headlines, they see things at the checkout counter at the grocery store that like, this is just a no brainer, right? And I don't think that's true. I I think it's a tremendous opportunity and it's just one of the best places for entrepreneurs to be today. But the other consideration you have to make is that even as much as, you know, any business, any in any sector, there's some things that are out at your hands. You have to be comfortable with a lot of risk because we have uh, less, less than knowledgeable, let's put it right. People in seats of power in Washington and state houses that are making decisions that impact all of us. And much less, let's not forget the people that rely on this plant and all of its derivatives as medicine. And if you're not prepared for that, that's very hard there aren't many sectors where overnight, you know, an orange haired buffoon could tweet something that would stand to derail your entire business. But that's the reality of what we live in today. So I think you really have to bear those things in mind too. There's both a a real demand and desire to see people add value upfront, show why you exist, contribute. And at the same time, in addition to all of the risks that you encounter as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, think, too, about how much of a limb you're going out on. To me, that is incredibly exciting. But it is also something that maybe not everyone considers as they think about the assumptions they make, as you said, the plan they put together. And those would be, those are my words of wisdom anyway. And it's certainly, you know, those have been issues that I have thought about and struggled with since we started up.
0: I can't help but agree <laughs> that there, this this is like, an ongoing theme, I think, for a lot of folks in the industry. And so I'll flip it on its back and say, knowing what you know now, and knowing that there's a lot of people in the space who are struggling, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are succeeding, but even more folks who are watching and, and listening and trying to figure out their way in. So what would be some key pieces of advice that you could offer in our segment here, the words of wisdom? To hear specifically from you, like knowing what you know now, what would you advise our fellow entrepreneurs and business owners to do as they're coming into this space or trying to figure, navigate their way through? Sure. I think
1: there's an exercise that I absolutely hate. But if you've been in any kind of business development crash course or you've sat through any like full day seminar on being a you know, a startup owner or looking at a new venture, you will inevitably see something like this. The presenter takes out a paper plate and a banana and says, I need three volunteers to come forward and role play a scenario where you pitch me on this banana. It's just, I mean, honestly, it's the worst. Like I see things like this happening, I just want to tear my eyeballs out. (laughs) But, But the advice is good. And the lesson inevitably unfolds that the three people that they go out of the room, come in one by one, they try to sell the business person, right? The presenter's playing on buying the banana because it's tasty, all the reasons that we might think of enjoying a banana. Whereas at the end, in an unfair twist, the presenter says, I don't care about any of that. I wanted the banana peel because I'm an industrial chemical manufacturer and there's something in banana peel that's incredibly valuable. Now, I think that's a cheap trick, but the takeaway and what we did, frankly, did not do as much as we should have was going out and talking to people, which was more or less the point of that whole exercise. Don't enter in, regardless of how cool you think your idea is or how new or different, or maybe just making a widget somewhat better than anybody today, don't enter in without really getting out there and talking to people that you think you might do business with. And I know that sounds stupid and it's not unique, but I really think there's just so much to be absorbed and learned that, for instance, we really could have spent months, like way more time getting out there and talking to the MSOs, brand owners, marketers, and, you know, and others that have really been hungering for the kind of data that we provide and, and have been using data in other ways. But set aside our business, I think we'd have drawn so much from those conversations. And it's not to say that we didn't, right? I mean, we're good enough business people that we did a fair amount of that. But I think part of, frankly, what you may have to do is just really get out there in person. And in part, you're getting back to my earlier point, you're paying your dues by being there, showing up, talking to people, asking them, here, I have this idea. What do you think? Because in this industry... And this goes back, if you'll remember, the keynote speaker at MJ BizCon had a great slogan, no one knows ever anything, right? It's just too new for anyone to know absolutely everything about our industry. And for sure, they don't know anything or as as much as you do about whatever your idea is. So if you're out there, you're listening to this, you're reading a lot, trying to think about what to do, that would be a surefire way in which you're at least gonna marginally anyway, improve your chances for success, I'd say dramatically improve your chances for success. And if you have to pivot, what better way and what better time to learn that than upfront as you're getting your venture off the ground? And, and that's a painful admission for me. I mean, I see some of the things that we put out in early 2018,
0: and I'm like, yeah,
1: that's okay. It's not what I would do today, but that's all right. I, you know, I mean, on some level, the, the flip side, as you said, to flip it on its back, is you really can't just hem and haw forever, right? Time kills all deals, and time eventually kills all ideas too. And the other point that the presenter at MJ made too is, you just have to try a lot of things. So, as you said earlier, in terms of what I took away, as Mark Randolph, former CEO and co-founder of Netflix, uh, that pair of points: no one knows anything, and you've got to just try new ideas all the time, are great things. But always be sure you're out there and tapping into the community. That would be my number one takeaway. And frankly, you know, I mean, if I'm to be brutally honest, I think my number one regret as we look to get this uh, thing off the ground.
0: You know, I uh, I had an incredible mentor talk to me once, and he was just like, imperfect action is better than not taking action every time. And you have to be willing to fail forward at any cost. And most often even though you have $1 million idea, this is statistically proven that every human being has $1 million idea every single day, but only 1% (laughs) of the 1% will take any action whatsoever towards trying to develop that idea. And they find themselves consistently confronted with seeing something that they once ideated you know, even if it was just in passing and mm. all of a sudden they see it come to fruition. And a really great example of this, I think is, is my mom. She is probably one of the most genius people that I know. And quite literally within three sentences in to anybody's explanation of their woes has the exact solution, can come up with the exact strategy, knows exactly what to do. And then <laughs> From that problem solving, which is like super nourishing for her, from that problem solving, she comes back and she's like, you know, I should really create A, B, C, and D. And not kidding you, like three months later, or six months later, or a year later, we'll be scrolling on Facebook and she'll be like, son of a bitch. Screw <laughs> <laughs> those guys. I had that idea first. The- That's right. <laughs> Who the fuck are these guys?
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> Fuckers <yeah>. took <separate> my ideas.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's so great. And I'll t- I mean, it's so great to, to see that, like, my mom is one of those people that if she cashed in on half of the good ideas that she had, like, we would be Rockefeller, right? Right.
1: Now. It's quite possible that the best ideas are all in the hands of moms. Whether they've taken action on
0: them, I concur. I concur. (laughs) I still make excuses for my mom to come over and find solutions for my life. But um, (laughs) that's a really, that's a really good example of like when you're sitting on a great idea and you incubate and incubate and incubate. Like you can only keep a baby in the womb for so long before That's right. it can't grow anymore there and, and you it, might
1: find out that it just doesn't work right or it's yeah. not the right time or what yeah, you. whatever. You whatever that, it so is, yeah whatever whatever it is yeah yes have
0: to be willing to to stay in motion my husband says this term uh he says this to me all the time because i'm not like a, a born entrepreneur i am certainly like a tailored entrepreneur and my husband's been a huge part of pushing me to be and do and and have more because he just sees he sees something in me that I can't see in myself. Thanks, honey. I love you. That's a great partner. Yeah, I know. Really great partner. And I want to fucking kill him sometimes because you're just like, I can only grow as fast as I can grow. But he's like, listen, good and well to me. You do not drink stagnant water. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And he's like, if water is not moving, it's not pure anymore. Like you have to keep money, energy, time, resources, team, your ideas, everything always has to be in motion or it's going to die. You don't want something that's sedentary. You want something that is, you know, moving it. That's, that's a sign of life. And so you have to continue totally to breathe agree. life and you have to have the courage to forge new paths and find water's going to find a way to escape, right? It's very, very difficult to contain. And so you have to let ideas and your courage and your wisdom and your flow be fluid. You have to let these things be fluid. So my words of wisdom is let it go let it go like you gotta oh just gosh. let it go and you gotta rock it out a hundred percent frozen fans are losing their minds right now my frozen fans are losing their minds all across america but i'm serious <laughs> let go of the edge and let the current carry you pick your feet up off the floor and let the wave carry you there's no such thing as perfection everything is imperfect and it's in those imperfections right. that you can find the perfect way for you to do it the second thing i will say is that truth is in the eye of the beholder so no matter how much data you get you consistently have to update and refresh what you think you know there's two different types of leaders in this industry the leading learner and the teaching teacher the teaching teachers are the preachers the ones that are always wanting you to know what they know and hardly spend any time nourishing what they know the second Mm. is the leading learner and they take data and wisdom and philosophy and fact and story and they pair and wrap this whole thing together to create a perfect synergistic harmony on how they're going to use fact to build the future how they're going to build story to create the commitment from their community. All of these different things worked really well together. And that's why you have to be careful with number three, which is how you build your team will afford you the time Mm. to get the wisdom that you need to be able to conduct yourself effectively in this business. Yeah, you
1: absolutely need the right people. Right people and right partners too, right? I mean, I love that leading learner you i think you also find that those people are the quickest to embrace opposing points of view and get into lively discussions and most willing however uncomfortable to get a little bit out of the bubble and to do that i you know i see them really and i i try to do this i mean i think somewhat like you i have to you know kick myself in the ass every once in a while right to really get out there but i think i'm more in that scenario as you described on on <laughs> in your camp than than your husband's, and I, I may ask for his number so I can get some free consulting from him, <laughs> but uh, to, to really find yourself in good situations, it's just as much the team internally as it is your external partners, however formal or informal. So I think that's, I think that's key. I, I don't wanna steal your thunder in regards to the team, but that's, that's part of it. Your team doesn't stop at your four walls, right?
0: Hell no, your team starts inside the four walls. <laughs> and you could be sleeping <laughs> with the enemy. I'm not even kidding. You could be sleeping with the enemy if you are a, if you're an entrepreneur and you're dating somebody who's only ever had a job and doesn't necessarily believe in entrepreneurship, that's sleeping with the enemy. They're not nourishing your mindset to it yeah, That's takes, true. takes, you know, a specific mindset. Vice versa, if you're a person who's only ever had a job and you are, you know, hooked up to an entrepreneur, you're sleeping with the enemy. It's a completely different mindset and you guys have to figure out how to find common ground to support one another in the things that make you feel the most fulfilled and for one of you that's going to be creation and for another one of you it's going to be being a support system to the one who is the most creative Mark Cuban said, to hire your weaknesses. So in mm. order to do that effectively, you have to understand what your strengths are and what your natural tendencies are as a business owner. Check out the book, for those of you who are listening, The Millionaire Master Plan by Roger James Hamilton, a star genius and futuristic entrepreneur who helps you to identify like what your natural tendencies and flows are as an entrepreneur and how to leverage them in, in a team environment so that you can make these quantum leaps into success in really short condensed periods of time huge huge resource for me when i was building my team and how i continue to build my team or even work with my family it's it's been an amazing resource for us but yeah i really want to encourage you guys you know to just continue to have the courage there is no cookie cutter way and of course engage yourself into controversial conflicting conversations where multiple viewpoints are represented and you can really find you're you're not the smartest person in the room that's the biggest challenge yeah, you have right. to the most courage for you can't be the smartest person in the room the minute that you're the smartest person in the room is the minute that you have to find yourself a new group to hang out with because you'll start to be the teaching teacher instead of the leading learner And the ones that are accumulating the wisdom are the ones that are going to be able to move into the future. So those are my words of wisdom and pieces of advice for those of you who are tuning in. Can you please, 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 Mike, tell us where we can find you if we want to do business or find out more about what we're doing in um, High Yield Insights?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I am on all of the usual platforms. I will say right now, I am, as we call in our latest round of research on CBD consumers, I fall into somewhat sheepishly, quote, dosing dads. So I'm not cool enough to be on Instagram. So you can't find me there. But you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Mike Loose, Luce, L-U-C-E. You can find me on Twitter at shy underscore loose. That's uh, C-H-I underscore loose because I'm a longtime Chicagoan. You can see all manner of stuff from either cannabis related and not um, always happy to take emails, phone calls, text messages, you name it. I'm at Mike at HighYieldInsights.com. It's spelled exactly like it sounds, H-I-G-H, YieldInsights.com. And of course, that's our, our website as well. And maybe one last comment. Don't be afraid of the dumb ideas. Don't be afraid of the idea that's like number nine on your list. And you look at it and you're like, that's so dumb. That'll never work. <laughs> you won't know, right? I mean, go through one, two, eight if you want, right? But don't leave number nine neglected. That's what I've found is don't assume, even to your point, you're the smartest person in the room, because unless you go out and ask and test and try things, maybe number nine is the best idea, but you won't know. And I found that to be the case with myself looking at projects for 2020. I've been shocked. This idea I thought was totally dumb would never work. People are saying, that sounds great. Tell me more. Well, I don't know anymore because I haven't thought about it any further. (laughs) So, yes, absolutely. Try new things. I'd love to talk about, you know, anything regarding the industry. Of course, I'm a nerd for data. I love pulling stories out of data, talking about what data means. And to your point, you know, I try to be anyway that leading learner and think about, the broader context that we all live in and the stories that we like to exchange. So you know, by any means, anybody that's out there listening, whether it's some of the things we talked about, or you wanna learn about some of the things that I've experienced, my you know, professional and personal background, I would welcome to reach out. So please don't hesitate.
0: Love, love, love. Okay, well, you inspired one more, just one more. <laughs> you inspired just <laughs> one more little thing, you know, something that came across my desk while I was at MJ Bizcon was this woman who was really really overwhelmed and she was super struggling with like what to do next and what I call opportunity overwhelm and uh, she yeah. to do this and she wanted to do that and this person she met that person and she just had like I'm like listen girl every pigeon wants a seed you only have so many in the bag Right. You're going to have to figure out how to distribute them in the best possible way. So when you are in opportunity overload, when you're finding out that there's so much that you want to do and be and have and all the other things, I created what I call a idea bank. And if you think about it, like the checks and balances of your checking and savings account, there is mm. your idea bank. And every day you're going to. I get- like
1: where you're going with this.
0: Every day you're going to come up with an idea and every day it's going to either cause a distraction or bring value to your current state of business. Often a creator, somebody who's always like looking for the what is next, you know, what can we do to solve this particular problem? There's also people who ask the question, who do we know or who can solve this particular problem? You know, there's folks who are asking, "How the fuck are we gonna fix this?" There's also folks who ask the question, "When is this all going to be fixed?" right? And so there's oh, different God. there's different ways that people approach problem solving, but one of those things is creating. So my suggestion to those of you who might find yourself an opportunity overwhelm or you're having an influx of ideas while you're in the area of problem solving, start to write them down on a sticky note or make yourself some cards or whatever, however creative you want to get with it. It could be a shred off of a newspaper, but you write down the idea and you fold it up and you deposit it into your bank, into your idea mm-hmm. bank. And you have no idea. Any one of these ideas could be, you know, the next seven figure business for you. It could be a that's There's two things that will make any one of these ideas successful. Resources, and that's time, team, money. And the second is timing. You might have the best idea in the world, but if the timing isn't exactly right, it's going to be the worst idea in the world. Warren Buffett built his entire fortune watching the timing of the market. He knows what he invests in, but when is a highly calculated formula for him. So I encourage those of you who are looking at this and find yourself with new ideas all the time and your team looking at you slightly frustrated and like, fuck another thing, write the idea down and put it into your idea bank once a month, once a week, once a year, once a quarter, whenever it is, go through your idea bank and you're going to go back and read these ideas. And before you spend a ton of time and money on it, Give it the time to incubate in the idea bank and collect interest, right? You may go back and say like, oh shit, that was an awful Mm -hmm. idea. I'm so glad I didn't spend 10 grand on that. (laughs) Or you may go back and say like, wow, that was a really great idea. When can we put this into effect? And then your team starts to put resources towards it. Just implementing this idea alone saved me easy six figures this year because my husband is a creator and sometimes creates us more problems than he does solutions. For challenges because he's always trying to find the solution, but in that in turn, creating more work. So now we can throttle that creation and go deep instead of wide on the things that we're focused on. So I hope that that's helpful for you guys. Create your idea banks, make deposits daily. You'll be rich beyond all of your years. And more importantly, wise, because you wouldn't have wasted time and money on something that you're maybe not so passionate about. Maybe you just got stoned and thought it was a good idea. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bet, whatever it is. You just make sure that you give things their proper timing and find the right time to release the right products and the right team to do it. And you'll have yourself a successful formula. I swear. That's it. No more words of wisdom.
1: (laughs) Well, I've learned a lot. I've taken away a lot from this conversation. So this has been tremendous. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm really, really honored to have you on here, Mike, and I appreciate it. And we're looking forward to celebrating continued success inside of your company. Um, All of the social media handles and websites mentioned in today's episode will be listed around the blog and around this video. And when you guys share content like this, you are a part of making the needle move when it comes to legalization and global awareness and education for cannabis and hemp. If you're a person looking for products that you can depend on, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some of our favorite picks. And if you are an entrepreneur at any level looking for merchant processing, distribution, marketing and advertising, or a stabilized supply chain, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help with the key resources and relationships you need to succeed in this incredible, exciting and very challenging industry. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to another Rockstar episode of the Hemp Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly. giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests, And exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the hemp revolution podcast i can't wait for you to share this with your friends with your help we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis and we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this now We challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much. And we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now.